This is Yoga Uncorked. Yes. Hi, girl. Hi, girl. How are you? <laughs> We've had our, our Mexican bean. Mm. What would you call it? I would call that like. What yeah, Jean has left over in her fridge mix. after being away for a weekend. Yeah. <laughs> with a sprinkle of coriander and a bit of rice, egg fried rice. It was divine. So thank you. There's no egg in that. And the rice. I just overcooked it, so it was kind of loopy. <laughs> oh. oh, sorry. It worked. In the it worked. Way. Anyway, and coriander, which fresh coriander. Obviously. I love coriander, but it's so controversial. I feel that's why I asked you before I put it on. It's so controversial. Very controversial coriander. I remember when COVID first became a thing eighteen months ago. You're gonna blame COVID on coriander? No, but I remember a meme, and I was like, "That's hilarious!" And it was like the C in COVID stands for coriander. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> But I love coriander. Okay. I de- I could eat it from the bag, like. I was going to say, does it come in a bag? Or however it comes. The plant. The plant. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes it's bagged up. Yeah, it's terrible true. for the that's environment. True. Kelly, you're cancelled. <laughs> I never said I bought it in a bag. <laughs> Kelly eats her coriander from a bag. Cancel <laughs> Kelly. Cancel Kelly. Cancel Kelly. Oh, God. And oh. then we, of course, had a sexy chocolate pot. Oh, that was... Oh. That was insane. This is different to the sex chocolate that we had a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, this, this is like a mousse, a denser mousse yeah. almost. Yeah. The recipe is also on the blog under uh, on the website under sexy chocolate pots. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just just a little little bit of chocolate. It's rich, like so you only need a little bit. It's so good. But it's so good. And yeah. I got a bit of chili. And <clears throat> yeah, I like when something sweet has salt in it. Okay. Yeah, it was Actually, divine. there's nothing sweet in that, bar the chocolate that's 70%. There's mm. actually no sugar in what in that, but it tastes sweet, doesn't it? Is there like vanilla in it? Or? No. So it's chocolate, like 70% chocolate, a bit of butter, a bit of cream, um, chili, cinnamon, um, coffee. Oh. Yeah. And sea salt. So they're all stimulants. That's mm-hmm. why it's called sexy chocolate. Sexy chocolate. So stay where you are there now, girl. Don't get any closer. Just in case. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we're fueled, as you can tell. We're giddy. Are we? Yeah. Or fused. are we? Are we high? Are we? I feel like we're that giddy where you're so tired. Mm. You're kind of insane. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And if I, you know, for honest about how we're feeling, I'm not feeling great. Nah, both of us aren't feeling great today. Um, yeah, it's just been a very long few months, mm-hmm. and I suppose it's the fatigue that comes with that, like uncertainty, which we talk very openly about. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a sense of not knowing, which I think is a very is a is a state to be in that can be very beneficial and you know provide a lot of um growth definitely I'm all about the like going out of your comfort zone but like it's just it's it's starting to kind of wear a little bit so yeah nourished happy grateful but fed up and tired yeah and that's okay and we both may or may not have cried before we came on here maybe <laughs> maybe there was a few tears you know but, but I also think that's really beautiful because I feel like I've needed to cry for a good week or so mm-hmm. and then I could always cry with you oh no it is lovely and i could cry with you and yeah. i do cry with you so thanks for crying with i me. cry with you that's it's my podcast song. i can cry if i want to <laughs> i feel like there's some definitely chanel song about crying there must be i'm thinking of the drake it's my birthday i can cry if i want to and i always say is that, that not a rip off of it's my party i can cry if i want to do you know he had a song with rihanna but I, it oh. always comes into my head in shavasana because i <laughs> Because Sorry. I'm like, it's my Shavasana, I can cry if I want to. I love it. Because I love to cry in Shavasana. Okay, guys, PSA, we are giving you all permission to cry in Shavasana. It's your Shavasana. If you your teacher cry discourages to. crying, send them our way. We'll send the yoga police to them. Um, Actually, I remember before uh, a girl came to my class for the first time and at the time I was in the UK and I was teaching in the military service. So it was a very non-open to crying environment let's just say that and uh you know she's a woman working in the military it's tough you got it i'm using air quotes toughen up blah 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 and um i had gave everyone eye pillows and i saw her whipping hers off 
And then she kind of sat up halfway through the Shavasana and she pointed at it and she basically got a mascara on the eye pillow and she was saying, sorry. And I was like, it's grand, it's grand, lay down, lay down, you know? Um, and afterwards she came up and she's like, I just couldn't control the tears. Mm-hmm. She just, it was her first time ever doing yoga and she just lay down and the tears were streaming down her face. Yeah. And again, she was so nervous. That the guys would see her crying because she's already considered, again, air quotes, weak because she was female. And I just remember saying to her, please always feel like you can cry. I think it's the strongest thing ever. Absolutely. I think um, to be soft actually requires you to be very, very strong. Huge. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, (laughs) we we just brought down the We might just cry here. Yeah. Do you want to have a crying party with us? That would actually be really good. (laughs) Oh my God, we should have a crying party. How would we, would you just go around pinching people to make them cry? No. How would we, there's other ways, doing yoga yeah <laughs> i'm like kelly's looking at me like why are we pinching people we can just do yoga move that yoga. stagnant energy yeah so Get i just wanted going. to say a few things um corrections corner corrections corner which i i think is something that's really um a good idea so we had a three-parter prana party yeah and i listened to it back and there was just a few things that i wanted to um just revert back on so the first episode we talked about prana we talked about chi we talked about um all the different terms used kind of throughout um time i suppose and throughout the world in regards to how they describe what we call energy i suppose and i said mana m-a-n-a was from shamanic shamanic yeah and I actually thought that because I read it from a shamanic book, but mana is actually Polynesian. Ooh. So yeah, M A N A is Polynesian. And we talked about in episode two, Brahmacharya. So you're kind of um, how would you celibacy really? But we uh, went through that allocation wasn't. of energy. Allocation of energy, much yeah. better. And we said that was a niyama. It's a yama. Morto. Morto, we're Morto. Morto. Um, and then I think it was episode two as well. We were talking about um the spirit molecule. It's actually called a lot of the time DMT. And I had said the pituitary gland. I'd just like to say that that's actually believed to come from the penile gland. Penile gland, okay. Penile gland, yeah. So just a few bits there um, for a corrections corner. You were all mad writing in correcting that. You weren't. <laughs> there was nobody. We noticed it and we like, okay, we don't do any research <laughs> plan anything. <laughs> but it's not nice to misinform people like that. No, it's not, not at all. No, I mean, no, definitely not. Yeah. So, so yeah. And we've had some more beautiful feedback, guys. Thank you so much. And um, I'd love to read one out. This beautiful lady contacted us and she said, I found your podcast through my friend Robbie, who we had on episode four or five, I think. And um, she said, I'm currently doing a two week trek by myself in northern Spain. And I've had days when I've been soaked to the skin and then hobbling through knee pain. And I just put on one of your episodes and it cheers me up no end. I'm a yoga teacher and I love listening to yoga related podcasts and yours is just perfect. It's down to earth and real and funny and from the heart. And I feel like you are my friends on the walk with me. So thank you so much. Um, love from your listener in Spain. So I don't know, that made me feel so warm and fuzzy to think of us kind of helping her along on her trek yeah. you know what an amazing thing to do number one, one but do on your own mm, number two is what a warrior get yeah. a girl it's a girl is it yeah get a girl remember we were saying um we'd love some time or maybe we should just head off to spain and hike the mountains on our own i'd love it yeah. i'd love to do the camino on our own maybe. and i've actually found throughout um the last kind of no i'm, I'm kind of on my map quite regularly now um but it was a few weeks there where both me and you found it quite hard to get on mm. the mat. Um, and it was actually walking in nature, mm. you know, off the beaten track where I live. There's lots of beaten tracks, which off beaten tracks, so it's great. But um, that for me was my nourishment at the time. Lovely. You know, yeah. and I know, I hope you don't mind me saying, but it was very much the same for you. You had yeah. said, you know, being outside mm-hmm. in nature. Um so, which is a segue into our guest, actually. Yeah, was <laughs> this week who came on to talk to us, beautiful girl Jenny, um, such an Irish Colleen with oh, so much wisdom yeah. and beautiful um things to say. So we discuss Ayurveda, we discuss 
the doshas we discuss how it could possibly um tie into our celtic heritage mm. and yeah i really enjoy talking talk a little bit about mantra and irish and all the good stuff all the mm. beautiful juicy stuff isn't it mm. yeah so yeah enjoy her here we have jenny welcome jenny because I was saying to Kelly I was like I don't know this girl but I want to talk to her <laughs> so I'll make no um no claims to pretend I know anything about you or really but in a way then I also feel like uh you give such a beautiful honest and wrecking the biker Sorry. <laughs> um you give such an honest and um heartfelt um sense of yourself through your Instagram which is is often hard to do I find because it's such a it's not necessarily a platform that encourages that oh I was watching the Tommy Tiernan show and you know the way um he never knows the guest that's coming and he said on an episode before he said there's a vulnerability that comes with not knowing and that that makes it gold and I was like oh, that's what we're doing <laughs> but it's a way better way of saying you know we're lazy <laughs> Tommy Tiernan he's got such a just a gentleness but also such power behind like his podcasts and everything like that I really really love listening to him I think he's just such a gem yeah he's absolutely beautiful and there was um the one I was watching was with Damien Dempsey Mm -hmm. and oh it was just so beautiful to watch two Irish men with thick accents and just out of nowhere, Damien Dempsey goes, you'd suffer with a black dog, wouldn't you? How do you deal with a Tommy? And I was just like, I was like, oh, my God, this is we need more of this. Mm-hmm. Like two really respected male Irish men talking about, you know, how they deal with when they're low. And yeah. I was just like, oh, it was just beautiful. It was so gorgeous. Actually, where he talks about the Divine Mother and honestly my whole the whole way through I was just like Tommy you made me fall in love with you <laughs> he's amazing yeah. Tommy Tiernan's suddenly very hot <laughs> <laughs> talks about like the mother and then I think it's called it might be called Hail Mary or something like that the the, the episode because he talks about the links between like Christianity and Catholicism and then like he actually talks about Vedic stuff as well it's amazing wow yeah I know I love um finding well it's something we kind of joke about like the yoga and everything you know that like you would never say Tommy Tiernan's a yogi maybe but he totally is in a way like isn't he yeah look at you out here claiming Tommy yeah (laughs) (laughs) everything is yoga (laughs) yeah I knew I wanted to talk to you and I'd often go with my gut with these things Mm. we tend to do that don't we like um And we'd often say, I don't care how many hundred hours training you have or, you know, what you've done or where you've come from. But it's like you 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 learn from the person or you want to Mm. interact with the person, with the human as opposed to the qualifications. Um, So, yeah. Do you want to tell us your story or how you found yoga or even how you found yourself here? (laughs) As big a question as that is. So, well, I guess it's a pretty long story, as as most people's are. Um, mm-hmm. Try and shorten it down, I guess. Um, so I was in college kind of when I first started doing yoga regularly. Um, never really took it that seriously, but I was also in a band um, singing Asgailga in the Irish language. And the kind of, um, I, I suppose, just the way of life and also I also was not taking care of myself in in many ways and I was my mental health wasn't great and I was really struggling a lot um and so I ended up taking a break from from the band and then really throwing myself almost into studying yoga and practicing very very regularly um and it really at that stage helped to heal a lot in me that um I didn't even know needed healing Mm. um and I feel like a lot of people find that too they're kind of like oh I'll start it for the physical reasons and then they end up unraveling everything that they know and they thought that they were and um that definitely happened for me anyway um and so I ended up going traveling um was back and forth for a few years I'd I'd go away and spend all my money and come back and (laughs) then get work and come back and you know try and try and make it work and I did several trainings over the course of those trips um um specifically in Bali mostly um but I traveled in India and Sri Lanka as well and I worked then uh, at a retreat center in Sri Lanka for about five months and 
another one in Bali and I just kind of kept like I had no money by the way doing all of this so a lot of people are like oh how did you make all this travel happen and I honestly still don't know a lot of it was you know volunteering or just exchanging or I would save and then come back and that kind of a thing so I really was just going with it and you know I had a lot of amazing incredible experiences when when I was away and um I guess overall, I probably would have lived in Bali if you put everything together for about two years, just on and off. Um, and then I was actually in Bali when the whole COVID stuff started happening in March of last year. And I had to kind of choose whether to stay or come back. And I just ch chose to come home purely for kind of financial reasons, mostly because I, if things were... Um, if I was to get stuck over there, let's say, I, I just wasn't sure I'd be able to keep myself... Um, grounded there so yeah came back and I've just been in the last year um running courses online I've run an Ayurvedic yoga course and then specifically myself working and, and learning and, and practicing mostly a lot about mantra because I've started to slowly um move definitely towards sharing uh, kirtan and bhakti and, and mantra and especially now with the irish roots that i'm kind of reconnecting with in the last year and um, it's been really nice to start um i suppose looking at the parallels between the two traditions and i'm actually working on another course at the moment which is going to do that and and hopefully share some of the the aspects of vedic and celtic connection and through the lens of language and mantra and and looking at all these um kind of similarities that are there because there are so many mm. and, I don't know if you read Mancon Magan's book, 32 Words for Field. Kelly actually bought it for me for my birthday. So yeah. <laughs> that book just sparked something in me. It was just like, oh my God, this is it. Yeah. This is the guy. Like he knows exactly. I, I just felt so seen. Like <laughs> about Gwaelga, but he was also talking about India and yoga and all of these things. And I was like, okay, there's something in this for me and I just need to follow it. And yeah, that's kind of what I've been exploring myself over the last while, um, while still kind of teaching and sharing here and there as well. Beautiful. Yeah, there's something about the, uh, you know, the Irish connection. And I think similar to you, all of my learnings have been outside of Ireland. And yeah. then it's like Ireland called me home and it's like, oh, actually, it's all here. You know, I just wasn't connected to it or something, you know, um, and there's so much richness here, isn't there, mm. for the teachings and um, I've spent a bit of time in the Gaeltacht recently and just listening to the language, you know, just it's so beautiful. Your heart opens and yeah, Macri, yeah, so beautiful. Um, and it's, Ireland is so old. I don't think I really had a grasp on that until this year, really. I suppose it was the time to slow down and really think about it. And I shared a story that I had heard that there's a there's a stone in a, a field somewhere. I think it's in Tipperary and maybe it's marked. I, I'm very bad at repeating stories, but anyway, <laughs> they reckon it's thousands of years older than the pyramids. And that just blows my mind. Like, mm. you know, and when you think of all this residual energy that will be in our earth because we're so old <laughs> <laughs> and rich in, you know, the Druids, the pagans are, I, I don't know, am I using the correct terminology, but like just before Christianity came here, how connected we were to our land. Mm. And that's kind of starting to come back, I think, you know, and it, it really is beautiful. And I mean, we're we're abundant in how lush our land is mm. and how fertile it is. You know, I would have always thought growing up, oh, you couldn't grow anything here. It's not sunny enough. It's not like we actually have such rich soil you know um so yeah it's beautiful and you look like such a beautiful Irish Colleen <laughs> you really do and you sing so beautifully because I saw you singing there on Instagram and you're just you're beautiful so thanks for sharing all the songs with us thank you girl <laughs> <laughs> I, I I studied Irish in college I did uh, uh, arts I did Irish and English and then I did a master's in Irish and it almost felt like for the few years that I was traveling and doing all this stuff I just kind of pushed that away and I was like I just don't want to be in Ireland I don't want to yeah anything like that and I yeah it was just kind of this process then of actually going wait a second I've always been doing this I've always been kind of on this path like even with the band and like the the Lurgan TG Lurgan videos and stuff like that was always kind of 
it felt like it felt really right to me um and then yeah it's only been in recent times like literally the last year that I've been like I had all of this the whole time and I've I've been almost searching externally for like something else that was gonna give me that sense of purpose but I feel like um yeah I'm still exploring it I'm definitely still like putting things together and joining the dots between things but yeah I definitely feel like there's something in that for me I think that's okay because you know I don't know about you maybe not so much me but if you went on to study it but like my mom was a language teacher and loved Irish and loved French and was always spoken in the home um not fluently let's say but we were always encouraged you know she would always celebrate the beauty of language yet the way it was taught in school at the time you know it was just reeling off grammar and for you know and it's just and and it's not till I was in the Gaeltacht when I was about 16 that I was like, wow, this is a language. Like mm-hmm. it hadn't hit me till I got there that I was like, this is a way of communicating. Yeah. Um, and it's only in recent years as well that I've just had such a grow for it. And I would use that term a lot. And I'd use lots of other Irish terms like plamos and flahulok and stuff. And especially when I was traveling and I would say them without realizing and friends who aren't from Ireland would say, what does that mean? And there is no English translation. You know, I feel like sometimes I can communicate better mm. in Irish and yeah. I, I can't speak fluent Irish at all. But I feel like there is no. Yeah, yeah, it's like there's no you'd have to say 10 English words for this one word, you know, that like, you know, OK, grow translates to love, but oh, it's not the same. You know, I have a grow for that is so different. to I love that, you know. <laughs> interesting looking at kind of Sanskrit as well because that has such a vibratory quality to it you know it's such a rich language as well but it's it's also less um based in kind of I suppose academia or fact and it's more vibratory in in how it was um I suppose heard you know it was it was heard rather than received or if you know what I mean so like if you're thinking about mantra and all these like the Bija mantras for example um that that was that these you know ancient rishis and seers going deep 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 into meditation so that they heard this sound and then so each syllable within the sanskrit language has a very specific meaning and so you know by speaking or or chanting in in kirtan and mantra you know chanting these these words you're literally tapping into that vibration and if you think about the millions and thousands of people over the last centuries who have chanted those mantras as well, you're also kind of invoking those energies. And so with Irish, one thing that I feel is missing, and it's something that I've again been researching, is that, you know, when you look to the likes of yoga and even Hinduism and those all the different lineages that, that stem from it, the difference there is that they are unbroken. You know, those lineages are unbroken, whereas with Irish and the Celtic tradition, there has been these, you know, hundreds of years or thousands even of years where we haven't had that connection. And so it's great to go back and and explore them and read about them and learn and, you know, revisit them. But there is, it's almost like there's a, there's a gap in, in the knowledge and in the, in the, the teachings. So there's not as much weight to them a lot of the time. So it does take that little bit more effort, I feel, to actually connect with them. But then when you do, it's, it's kind of, um, you know you can you can you can remember it because like you said it is it's in the land it's in it's in the sounds of the language and in everything that we know and um I feel like as well like everyone for the most part a lot of people who I speak to who are like oh I'd love to learn Irish and will you teach me some words or that kind of thing you know the majority of Irish people like they have a little bit of Irish and it's just a it's just a matter of pulling it out of them first of all and giving them the right opportunities in which to to use it and so that's why the likes of, you know, all the Lurgan videos with the kids worked so well, because we just gave them a new environment in which to interact with the language. It wasn't like, here's a book, learn mm-hmm. it off by heart, or here's a poem, learn it off by heart. Mm-hmm. And so it gave them context, you know, so that's really what we're missing is that kind of having a context and a reason for wanting to learn it. Um, and so I feel by creating um, environments, whether that's yoga through Irish, you know, it's not directly learning words and verbs and lines but you're doing an activity and -hmm. if you enjoy that activity already it's giving giving you an opportunity to to engage with it in another way and also it's it's also you know it's great workout for your brain as well if you're not used to listening to these things in Irish so 
I don't know. I didn't mean to speak about Irish so much, but it's just happening. So <laughs> no, this, this is this the is beauty the of it. Yeah, because, you know, mm. I would have said to Kelly, I would know you just from I suppose interacting with you online about like mainly mantra and Ayurveda, you know, but also the Irish element. And that's maybe the underpinning of it all. So how gorgeous, you know. I also with Ayurveda as well it's interesting because I always say on the, the courses that I've run and when I do sessions with people like it's 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 really looking at all of the cultural um elements from you know the, the time in which Ayurveda let's say would have come to fruition during the, the time of the Vedas and the, um back in the Indus Valley is said to be where it comes from I mean these Vedas are 5,000 years old but if you looked at the rest of the world at that period in history you know, most ancient cultures had their own version of this kind of stuff, you know, so it's not to say like Ayurveda is the only way. Mm -hmm. It's to say that that was one way. And again, because that lineage has been unbroken, we still have a lot of information on it today. So it's easy to look at it. But whereas we look at the kind of Celtic Banfasa kind of tradition where there was this medicine woman and she would have known all, all of the herbs and the plants and the flora in the environment that would heal specific ailments. You know, a lot of that information has been lost because it wasn't passed down and it was literally stamped out. Mm -hmm. mm. It's very interesting to, to um, when people have the argument, you know, of, of thinking of like, oh, that's for that's not for our country or our culture. It, it kind of is, you know, it's all it's it's just relevant and to, to your own location um, and as well with different plants and foods that grow in specific countries and areas. You know, you're always eating depending on your locale and, and you know, the the fruit and veg that grows um, most local to you. And they're always the best options, um, regardless of whether it's Ayurvedic or not. Yeah. <laughs> and let's just like, I suppose, our culture was taken from us. We were punished for speaking Irish. We were punished, mm. persecuted for, you know, living just how you're speaking and what you're bringing back to life, you know, so... I don't even think it was kind of a choice. I think it was kind of forced, unfortunately. So it is beautiful to see us reconnect back in with that, you know. And it's interesting that India was kind of looking at the same thing, you know. They were, some of their traditions were taken from them too, you know. Um, so I'm very interested in the ban fossa. I feel like I need to write that down straight away. <laughs> I know if I, when I listen to this back, I'll definitely be Googling that because I didn't know about that, so... Really cool. I bet it myself, but I just know that that it is kind of a similar strain of you know herbalism and and like looking to the land for healing really rather mm -hmm. than obviously medicinal means they didn't have them back then. But it's kind of similar in similar vein, you know. Mm -hmm. Always Ayurveda will always recommend you know to to look to the the food that grows locally to you and where you're from and where you were born basically and that's always going to give your body the best nourishment because that's where you came into the world you know I actually have a little story if I may share um and it's to do with I was actually talking to Sarah Fox who would remind me a lot of you um she's very much she's a yoga teacher but really connects in with her Celtic roots you know and um I was a vegetarian for about six years and like I just had this overwhelming urge for red meat you know and to the point where I had been dreaming for months a reoccurring dream of me with like fangs <laughs> holding raw meat in my hands eating the raw meat and there's like blood pouring down my face and my forearms I love it and like someone only asked me recently but were you enjoying that in your dream and I was like oh yeah yeah I was really enjoying it and I was fighting this urge so much because I was paying so much attention to what my yoga practice taught me, you know, ahimsa, nonviolence, you know, light vibrational foods, which is a very kind of blasé term, you know, and sometimes this kind of even in the love and light kind of food culture, it can be a little bit distorted you know yeah. um like I do feel better eating fruit and vegetables and lentils and rice and grains and stuff like that but um clearly my subconscious was like <laughs> get a steak killer you know <laughs> so I spoke to my friend Sarah Fox about this who actually is a yoga teacher but has a degree in herbal sciences so we had a consultation because at the time as well I was so run down I was getting these infections that I usually wouldn't get and I was having these dreams and she was like 
do you not think you just need to eat meat? <laughs> and I was like, but I can't, ahimsa. And she was like, Kelly, you need to remember that this is an Indian practice. And in India, meat just isn't in their diet, really, because they don't have the means to refrigerate it. You know, like she was like, look to your land, look to our cows, you know, our, our dairy produce. We have, she was like, yeah, you know, she was like, you can believe in vegetarianism because you don't want to harm animals. But she was like, doesn't Ahimsa? And actually, it was another friend said this to me, Kiran. He was like, doesn't Ahimsa start at home? Mm. He was like, you know, you're, you, you clearly might need this in your diet. So I did introduce red meat back in slowly. And I do probably eat it once every five or six weeks, really, when I feel like it. And I've, I've actually never felt better, you know, Um. And yeah, it's just looking to your own produce and looking within as well to see what you really need. Sometimes I can get too attached to how mm-hmm. something is with yoga without, you know, failing to remember that this is in India and I'm from a very different part of the world. You yeah. know, so what you were saying as you're speaking there is just thinking about you know this idea that things are good and bad and right and wrong and like I've also done a a health coaching training and an Ayurvedic counselor training and it's just really what what kind of settled home for me at the end of those trainings really was just like do what's good for you without the rigidity so for me especially around food like that was always an area I struggled with and it kind of was always an all or nothing approach that I would have. And it was like, this is good and this is bad. And, you know, you'd, you'd get into this rigid thinking, which I think as well can and has filtered down into the yoga community as well of like, this is yoga and that's not yoga and da 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 da, da. And it can become very polarizing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when there's that kind of polarization and black and white thinking, it's very easy to get stuck in one side or the other. You know, and with food as well, this this plays out. But I feel like it plays out in a lot of different scenarios in life. Um, but specifically around food, you know, you want to get to that stage where you're not kind of restricting anything, but you're not also not overindulging in anything. And you can get to the point where you're reading what your body needs. And if that's meat or if that's, you know, fish on some certain day, then being able to do that without going into the mind stuff of oh, I shouldn't, I should, I shouldn't, you know. And I feel like, you know, Ayurveda doesn't condemn feet or feet. <laughs> <laughs> and it combines <laughs> um, um, meat completely. Usually it would be in a kind of a medicinal sense that it would be taken. You know, if you do, if someone has been ill and needs to be kind of built back up and their system is very weak, then that's kind of when it would be recommended. And again, like you said, like it's not a regular thing in in um these countries to have it mainly because it's not as available it's not as easily accessed um and so it is kind of seen as like a almost like a celebratory thing as well so it's not um it's not to say like again it, ayurveda doesn't rule anything out it's saying everything in moderation you know everything in moderation and it sounds like a cliche but really when you settle into that that vibration of how that makes you feel like nothing is cut off so you're not saying you know I can't ever have this again like a lot of people who come to me are saying I, I, I want to quit coffee I need to quit coffee I'm, I'm obsessed I'm attached and I have this <laughs> around it and I've been there too it's really difficult but I feel like I would I would never say to someone you can never have coffee again because first of all that makes people want it more yeah <laughs> it's like barrier almost of like oh I can't and this is bad and da 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 um so I always would say like okay try a day like try one day without it and see how you feel and be really honest with how you feel and then again the next day and see how you feel and you know nine times out of ten it's kind of like I actually feel way better without it and I don't need it and it's just this habit that they've gotten into and you know all of the different things that come along with it maybe the sleep has been poor so you're depending on coffee for that and I feel like with a lot of different food types it's it's less about the restricting and, re- and and removing from a diet and really just about balancing mm-hmm. and obviously that's what ayurveda is all about it's you know finding the correct balance between the doshas and the gunas and and how that plays out into your into your day, day-to-day life through food and through practice speaking of which do you could you give us um you know because we would 
throw the doshas in as we're chatting throughout the podcast really and most people who've done a yoga teacher training would have touched on them perhaps or I hope anyway um but for those out there let's say who don't have a knowledge of um of the doshas or will we just define Ayurveda maybe because there might be some Actually, people that don't know what Ayurveda may be yeah so. could you give us your your <laughs> flashcard uh <laughs> explanation of Ayurveda and then maybe the doshas yeah absolutely yes please again massive topic but yeah. <laughs> I know I'm like could you do uh 5,000 years of science um in five <laughs> seconds, seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so well if you break the word down first of all I guess etymologically of air and veda so veda means knowledge and air meaning life or of life so it's the knowledge of life or the science of life um but essentially it's a holistic healing science um and it derived kind of within the context of the yoga system and the yoga tradition. So what I would always say is that, you know, it's it's seen as almost the precursor to yoga in that what we're aiming to do, it's not to get fit and, you know, have a six pack or anything like that. It's really about creating the right conditions within the body mind complex for the state of yoga and meditation to arise. And so before you even look at asana or pranayama or meditation, it's like looking at that baseline condition that's existing in your body. You know, what is the baseline in health level of health level of energy of prana um, and looking to, to create that and make it as balanced as possible before you embark on this journey of exploring yoga. And so traditionally when, when yoga was passed down from like one guru to student and they would generally only take on probably one person at a time, they would sometimes, depending on the person, you know, they'd ask and require them almost to practice Ayurveda for up to about two years before they'd actually get into the actual teachings because they wanted to create those, the right conditions for yoga, for the yoga practices to have the, the optimal effect, you know. Um, and so it's really, it's not, it's less about diet and it's more about kind of lifestyle as well. So I'd always say that it's like, <laughs> I have this thing that I always put on the course. It's like less diet, more Dharma. So it's kind of, again, moving away from this rigid, rigid thinking that Ayurveda is a food or it's about food. And it's a massive element of it. It's a very important part, but we're really looking at an entire lifestyle here. Um, it's not just about the food. It's about your environment, your thought patterns, the way you think about yourself, the way you think about the world, the way you engage with the world. Um, and obviously, obviously food has a, a large role in that, but um, it's... I just I'm always careful of that because I'm aware of how easy the West kind of <laughs> starts to latch onto these things and say, oh, it's a diet, you know, it's an Ayurvedic diet and I'm going to get fit and do yoga. And it's like, oh, you're just losing so much of the truth of what it is. But yeah, I always just try and point that out. But that's that's kind of what it is. Um, and so we do that through the lens of the doshas. And so the doshas, if we think of, um, okay, I guess, backtrack a bit. So. I suppose we're working ultimately we're working with the elements so the pancha mahabhutus which are the five um great elements so we've earth we've water we've fire we've air and we've ether and so if we look to nature we can kind of easily see how those five elements are represented in the land with the earth we've water in the seas and the oceans uh, we've fire in the sun it's that transformative heating force uh, we've air, the air and the oxygen that we breathe, and then the ether or space element are kind of interchangeable. Um, but that's kind of the space around and in between all of these things. So that's the natural world and how that plays out. Now, if we take those five elements and apply them to our physical bodies, we can see a, a kind of an overlap there. So the earth element is referring to the physical structure of the body. So the flesh and bones and skin and tissue and all those kind of physical earthy qualities. Um, water then is in all of our fluids, bodily fluids in every, every aspect. And the fire is in our bile, so the agni, or in our digestive system. When that's kind of the key component of Ayurveda as well is, is agni in our digestion um, and the quality of your agni as well. But then when we get to the air element in our bodies, again, it's the oxygen that is transported through the system that we breathe in. And the space is the, all the spaces in between. So if you think about being able to take in a breath, you know, there needs to be an aspect of space for anything to go in. If that's blocked, we're not going to be able to breathe. So space kind of interplays there as well. And so the doshas are basically just combinations of those five different elements. So vata is a combination of air and ether. Pitta is a combination of fire and water. And kapha is a combination of 
earth and water. And so before we even go into them, you can already see that because we all are made up of the five elements, it automatically means that we all are also made up of all three doshas. So it's not as simple as saying I am Vata and I'm not Kapha because you have elements of all three. It's just going to be in varying degrees, depending on your lifestyle, your, you know, your genuine makeup, your, your constitutional makeup, and then obviously your lifestyle habits, your food habits, everything like that. So we all have all three. Generally, people will have maybe one or two that are a little bit more prevalent than the others. Um, and that's where you get this, you know, when you do dosha quizzes and stuff, they say you're Vata Pitta or Pitta Kapha or whatever the combination is. Um, and that just means that you you know you're more likely to experience um imbalances in pitta or in you know whichever one comes first it's it's kind of like your most dominant dosha but we always have all three and in order to balance them we have to work with all three as well so they're always working in tandem with one another and um yeah what we're aiming to do through you know practicing ayurveda is really to to find the ways that work for us again, to create those ideal conditions in our body so that, you know, that state of yoga and that we can arise and that we can live from that place rather than kind of being work, you know, starting from a foundation that's a bit rocky and maybe has different imbalances happening here and there. Um, and when I say imbalance within Ayurveda, I mean kind of any kind of ailment or kind of a minor issue that has the potential to become something more acute down the line so it's in i suppose it's a preventative me method as well of of healing and uh, holistic health so you're looking to really get those little imbalances before they kind of manifest into something larger mm. um and there's different varying stages of disease in the in the ayurvedic system as well that you can uh look at um but ultimately you're trying to create that prevent you know prevent it from happening in the first place but there are there are treatments and there are kind of ways to to look at symptoms as well and reduce symptoms for sure. But ultimately, it's it's trying to to prevent that happening in the first place. Yeah. Well um, done, because that's a hard topic. That's like, I don't know, <laughs> summing up the Bible in a, in a sentence. So well done. Yeah, yeah you're so um, clear and concise. Well, I, I was really looking forward to this, to be honest, just to learn because I'm so interested in Ayurveda, but yeah, it's just like when I try and dive in, I'm like, where do you start? Like, you know, so yeah, that was brilliant. Thank you so much. <laughs> I know we'd often joke, you know, like, oh, I'm being a pitta princess or, you know, that's just your kapha doing that now. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it, it really hit me the last training I did a few years ago, you know, where someone was like, oh, that's just because I'm Vata. And then I remember my teacher said, no, that's your Vata out of balance. Yeah. Um, because sometimes we take, especially if you're familiar with the doshas, you're like, oh, that's me. I don't need to change. I'm, you know, that's just me. And it's like, no, actually, that's a sign that you're out of balance. Yeah. If it's a maybe more negative um, trait, let's say, um, or the way it's presenting. Um, and I remember saying it to someone before. They're like, oh, I forgot about that because of my vata. And I was like, oh, yeah, but, you know, there's <laughs> there's ways that you can. Um, and I, I think sometimes and this goes right back to what you were saying about it being a diet people often just want to be told what to do they don't want to think they don't want this actual quite heavy sometimes responsibility of like no actually you have choices here and you get to decide that actually how I eat will be different how you eat and how you eat equally how I eat in Ireland is different to how I'm going to eat in Spain and how I'm going to eat in India and how I'm going to eat in winter and summer, or even like the doshas come into the times of day almost as well, you know, uh, not almost, they do. Um, and so again, I think when you're first learning about Ayurveda, it's like, right, give me a structure, give me rule, you know, people Tell want exactly this. exactly what herbs I need. Yeah, very rigid system. I always do emphasize that as well. It's like, once you know all this stuff, and once you have, you understand the doshas and the the gunas and everything like it, it, it is just a framework and we we kind of tend to think like you were saying we're looking for someone to tell us what to do and what to eat and what to you know we we don't want to take that power back whereas that's really what ayurveda is trying to give us is kind of to help us empower ourselves to make choices that are going to you know create the right conditions that we need yeah. um and so it is it's the framework is the most important thing but then it just becomes a case of actually implementing the framework and we we just really want to give people like a knowledge of that so that then they can start to implement that for themselves um and really like that's where the empowerment comes from and it's it's less about being told and it's more about 
you know, starting to cultivate um, that ability to give yourself what you need in every moment and be able to recognize what those needs are as they fluctuate throughout the month for women as well, massively throughout the seasons as well. You know, Ayurveda deals with the, the fluctuation of the seasons and different foods are going to be in season at different times of the year. So it's kind of about working with nature as well and being able to, to work with the environment around you and your body. And really, it's this really beautiful dance once you get into a flow of it. Um, it might take a while to kind of get there at the first point of call, especially if there is an imbalance present. But once you get into it, it really is like this very delicate thing. And obviously our bodies are so delicate and just kind of changeable. Um, that one, especially if you have a lot of Vata, there's, there is that kind of sensitivity about it of, of kind of being able to notice when things are even the tiniest bit out. Um, so yeah, it just becomes kind of this process of exploring it and giving yourself the opportunity to engage with the fluctuations and the the highs and the lows and the imbalances and all of that kind of stuff so that's the, the vritti isn't it well I know they're more the mind you know as well but that fluctuation I know when I first discovered Ayurveda I hadn't discovered yoga yet but I was in India and we went to this um, Ayurvedic retreat center just for like a half a day session and so we all did a very basic dosha quiz mm -hmm. And at the time now, looking back, my pitta was so out of balance that I wanted to be the best at the quiz. <laughs> and so I answered all of the questions how I thought they wanted me to answer the question. Oh, no. And the, the doctor looked at it and he didn't even have to read it all. He was well, just like, he was like, you're tridotic like perfectly, like because I had yeah. answered, you know, the kind of middle of the road. But then I could see he was looking at my body, you know, because it was just he hadn't seen me yet mm. being like, mm, this doesn't match up because <laughs> I'm very, you know, mm. half a body, you know, and definitely pitta mentality often but I always laugh back thinking about that that like my pitta was so out of balance that I wanted to be so right and I wanted to be the best at the quiz oh and I can guarantee you if I was there then my kappa would have been like do I have to <laughs> I'm kind of tired can I just lay down in the corner <laughs> it's hot and I'm tired <laughs> feed <Yeah>. me <laughs> <sighs> but you know they're all things again we can talk about them colloquially like that but it's definitely, I feel like Ayurveda is one of these beautiful, broad topics that mm. just creeps in. Mm. And like you said, even if you didn't tell me what the doshas were um, and I never learned about them, but I was encouraged to be like, hey, how does it feel when you get up at this time? How does it feel when you eat this food? You know, how do your cravings change when you go to this country versus this country or this season? It is this beautiful um yeah as much as it can seem like a heavy responsibility or a weight for you to take control there's actually huge liberation in that then also mm. of um you know I did every diet under the sun when I was younger and there was such looking back like fear of where we're we going will I be able to eat something if I eat that thing now you know it's going to set me back all the hard work I've done you know it was so toxic looking mm. back um this diet culture we have you know as opposed to now I just relish my food and I love eating and you love yeah, cooking I love preparing cooking. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's all from the very first step I feel like your shopping is the first step and it's done with so much love oh like I love shopping <laughs> I love for food yeah I, I hate clothes shopping I love shopping mm. for food yeah <laughs> and that's where it begins I suppose your yeah. intent you know like true yeah yeah during those needs in, in each moment as they change. And that's kind of why I, I called what I was doing nurture your nature was kind of like this way of nurturing, you know, your innate nature and being and who you are. So, yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. Oh, I definitely want to do some courses with you. Oh my God, it sounds, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I really want to do some. Sounds amazing. <laughs> we'll put um all of Jenny's details in the show notes yeah. so that you guys can tune in to her and, yeah, hopefully study with her and learn more and share more. Mm. Um, and I, yeah, I definitely know we'd be here for another 10 years if we talked a bit more about Ayurveda. But is there any is there any like nugget or fascinating bit about Ayurveda, let's say, that you'd love to share or anything you haven't spoken about that you'd like to talk about? I guess maybe to link what we spoke about at the beginning with mantra and Ayurveda mm. are very linked, actually. Um, 
when you when you think about um, the gunas, especially, we generally would work with the mind. So you know, it's thinking about the the different aspects of the mind and the attributes of the mind, whether they're rajasic, tamasic, or sattvic. And so mantra has a very um, sattvic nature about it. Okay. And so it's seen as one of these you know primary tools for healing the mind and the fluctuations and. Um, I definitely know, you know, any kind of stress or anxiety in the mind, if you, you know, dropping into kind of a mantra practice is such a healing way to, to really smooth that out almost. And, and so there are specific mantras for specific areas in the body. And, you know, so it all is very linked. It's, and, and that's one thing I struggled with. And I was like, oh, but I've been talking about Ayurveda for so long. And now I'm talking about mantra. And it's like, no, they're all the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all Could kind you of- tell us um, a little bit about the, the gunas, actually? And I always giggle when I hear guna because, you know, I hear something like, oh, my God, girl, your guna is beautiful. You know, the way we, again, Irish use that dress. Word Yeah. And dress. I wonder, yeah. could you like even link? Funny. The term guna as being your dress, the way you dress, what are you dressed in as like, how's your mind dressed at the moment, maybe, you know? Yeah, so I mean, there, yeah, there, there's the different attributes of, of the mind and, you know, that can sometimes be related to the lower mind because they're, um, you know, you tend to either get stuck in, well, you know, tamas or rajas would generally where, be where people get very, very stuck. So tamas is this heavy uh, energy of inertia and density. Well, rajas is activity and movement, um, change and momentum, and then sattva is is balance, basically, and purity. And so in order to attain, you know, in order to kind of create that sattva, you want to get a balance between tamas and rajas and balancing them out in whatever way that looks. And then, you know, if you think about having just enough, uh, you know, steadiness and stability coupled with just enough movement and change and momentum, over a sustained period of time like that's what's going to create the balance it's not these like fleeting moments of oh I feel clear now and then it stops you know it's how do you make it more sustained and so balancing tamas and rajas and then yeah so uh, the the common example I'd always give if I was doing it with a group would be you know very simple just you know you're sitting on the couch you're feeling heavy and blah and blah and tamasic but you don't want to feel like that obviously you want to feel like balanced and happy and light which is be more sattvic but it's very difficult to go straight from that state into another into that other one so in order to get there you kind of employ the help of rajas you're like how do I get from here to here you need to move or you need to get up and go and even just that act of standing up and going out for a walk like that's that's the activity you know that's the movement and then over time maybe half an hour however long it takes you end up in that kind of balanced state which is what you want so that's a very simple way of explaining it but that's a beautiful analogy because you know I remember kind of reading about the gunas first I think it was in the Bhagavad Gita and like I just had to go over and over and over it it's it can be the philosophical texts as beautiful as they are they're just so hard to comprehend so I really appreciate you know an analogy just like you said because as well you're trying to comprehend like thousands year old texts that are from a completely different parts of the world so just the whole you're on the couch you want to feel light vibrant Mm -hmm. you know how does that happen and for me personally um and I say this a lot when I teach yoga like are you tired because you're genuinely tired or are you tired and lethargic because you actually need to move and I can't speak for anyone other than myself but 95 percent of the time I don't need rest. I actually need to get up and move, you know? So I need that. That would be my tamas, I suppose, Mm -hmm. that. I know, it would be my raj. Well, you'd be feeling tamasic, but the movement would be the rajas to bring you into sattva. Would that be right? Yeah. Yeah, and then if you're, obviously, the the kind of excess rajas would be when you're just on that kind of hamster wheel and you can't get off it and you're like, I I can't stop. I I don't know how to stop. And there's a lot of people like that too. So, you know, it's just looking, working with, where you're at really (laughs) and I think you know like in that instance you do a very mindful yoga practice whereas other people for them it could be a run yes for you maybe or me running I know drains me so you know Mm. it's finding that movement like you said it could be a walk it could be whatever you need and it could be a walk on one day and a run on another day depending (laughs) rollerblading (laughs) like last night no I'd say (laughs) I'd say it was half 11 11 half 11 and I was just like I can't go to bed I just need to dance and I had to just put on music in my earphones and dance around my kitchen because my state at that time was like 
it would be a waste of my time trying to lie down and relax mm. there's something and there's I'm feeling it a lot this week there's maybe I actually think this week I'm probably in a very rash I can never say Jurassic. that yeah state where there's something pent up and I'm like <laughs> so maybe I don't know I'm just trying to figure out it's so different week to week isn't it what you what you feel you might need it's never the same um thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and Thanks, your Jenny. yeah it was beautiful Makara. <laughs> <laughs> we love chatting oh mm. god Slán Avalia Slán Namaste wasn't that just fab I know that was the tip of the iceberg there now talking to her, but I just feel like she's so clear, so succinct, um, a beautiful, grounded, balanced wisdom, hasn't she? Yeah. Which is testament to what she practices and, and teaches. She is testament to the way she lives. Yeah. Within, you know, striving for that kind of balance across the mm-hmm. doshas. Mm-hmm. I feel like me personally, one of my greatest um, challenges, especially teaching and being doing this podcast now, is to become a little bit more concise. So I always have so much admiration for someone who can condense something that is just so vast yeah. and deliver it the way Jenny did. Yeah. And she mentioned, you know, she studied irish and english um i'm not very academic obviously but maybe i don't know was it in a sphere to go and teach it but Mm. what an amazing teacher you know her delivery of wisdom and you know what stuck with me and i don't know did we mention it on the podcast or did you just mention it to me in conversation and it was um it was ben shout out to ben told you about what the term educate means to draw out so my beautiful brother who also is a chef on my retreats Mm -hmm. and he is also a secondary school teacher and when he was learning about teaching the the etymology or the origin of the word educate comes from to draw out knowledge or wisdom so the teacher is never telling you and i think we spoke about this in the last podcast as well like we're not telling you what to think we're showing you where to look mm. you know we're guiding you as teachers or people guide people guide others as teachers and then you're drawing out the innate wisdom um that's within them and I, I often laugh on retreat and stuff like that when I'm working like or on trainings with people it's like this is kind of funny that you're paying me to actually tell you what you already know mm. you know and I think we've all had that moment where we're on or learning something or experiencing something you just have this innate knowing in your body of like I know this already this just Mm -hmm. makes sense to me Mm -hmm. you know um so yeah just like a wonderful teacher Jenny really is like so concise and so clear and you know not over complicating a very kind of possible over overly complicated subject you know especially when you are trying to tie it into Ireland and the fact that she yeah. honors her Celtic roots, you know, and mm. like, yeah, it's. Yeah. I remember teaching Ayurveda on a training before, which like wasn't a official training. It was more of a, um, it was yoga school. So it's like, you know, people who want to learn a bit more about it. And I wouldn't, I'd have done a lot of Ayurveda training myself, but I'm, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in it. But doesn't it take um, like seven years to become an Ayurvedic doctor? Yeah. Yeah, it's like seven or eight years. It's longer yeah. than it will be it's to become a medical yeah, doctor. Exactly. Almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of said that to the students. I was like, "This is my take on it," and it was my first time teaching it, so it was new for me to teach. Let's say, and one of the students said, "Can I ask what's the point?" And I was like, "Oh my god, that's no, but isn't that such a good question?" <laughs> like, what is the point of trying to balance our doshas? Mm. That was the bit I'd left out. Mm. I was all about the doshas and teaching mm. everyone about everything, and I. I just took took me a moment and I was kind of taken aback not that she had asked it but I was like actually what is the point let me think about this and it was so clear I was like to create harmony to create balance yeah homeostasis is where you want to be and it's so hard you know yeah so but it was beautiful in that moment because that student became my teacher because I hadn't thought about what the point of Ayurveda was because again when I learned about it it was this deep knowing the educate she brought it out exactly namaste namaste So yeah, we hope you enjoyed that. And any other news? Any millennial terms? terms are you still rocking center party? You are still rocking the center part. Um, saw a funny few memes online. Um, 
someone thanking a local pharmacy you know because the pharmacies are offering the vaccine for 13 no 18 to 34 is it mm-hmm. and they were like um thanks to all the pharmacies who realized gen z's hate making phone calls and allowing us to book in online i thought it was funny <laughs> yeah because a lot of pharmacies like call to make your appointment yeah. and all the gen z's were like no nah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, um i do yeah millennial stuff i can't think of anything nah, today my much. brain's a bit tired if i'm we're very tired guys. yeah yeah we don't want to bring you down but it's also important to share how oh, we're honestly feeling like you i know. know you all think we're perfect so just, <laughs> to make sure, just want to make sure you know we're not um also let this be your cue to have a good fucking cry if you need it yeah a good rest you know? and if you need me to come over and pinch you just <laughs> i don't know why i feel like coming into my mind okay bye, bye. <laughs>